Hello from Education International in Brussels. This is Ed Voices, a podcast of global education news and advocacy. EI is more than 400 teacher and educator unions and professional associations in 173 countries, representing 32 million members. Here's your host. Right, hi, it's Martin Henry here, Research Coordinator at Education International, and today we've got Tom Algonisis with us, who's come all the way from sunny Australia into the fridge of Brussels, and has come to talk to us about professional standards. Tom is somebody who has worked in government and across the professional standards domain for many years, and I'll let him talk about the specifics of, of the breadth of his experience. He's also had a great deal to do with curriculum and has been a leading a discussion here at EI around the importance of professional standards to the teaching profession and what it means to us. So Tom, if you can just give us a little bit of background on how you've come to the professional standards question and then we'll move into what professional standards mean to us. Hi Martin and uh, how fantastic to be in this uh, wonderful city that uh, I, I feel is underestimated on a global scale. Look, um, I think this is the most pertinent point. Some, I would say 15 years ago now, Australia began to realise that education was key to its economic prosperity, that is when I say Australia I mean policymakers. then as a next step the quality of teaching was therefore a key determinant of our uh, educational standing. And then the next question was, what policy frame, what, if you like, ideology would be applied to assist the uh, maintenance of the quality of teaching, at least in some people's minds and in some policymakers, the improvement of the quality of teaching. That was the question of being ex exercising the minds of the uh, leaders, the, the financiers of education at that point. And there were two global perspectives available to them. One we would characterise now in the shorthand of a neoliberal, uh, open competition, put pressure on teachers, uh, distributed decision making and accountabilities. And the other was really, I would characterise as an outcome of enlightenment modern and modernist thinking of uh, building sophisticated cooperative structures and reference points for improving or supporting the existing quality of teaching. And that, uh, the nomenclature we applied to that was standards. And really my work began in determining the policy frame. I was a policy worker at a, at a high level, I am still in Australian educational jurisdictions and my initial work was to convince people that we will get better, more reliable outcomes in education for students by helping to build the veracity of the profession and to work with teachers. That was the beginning. Okay, now the, the, the latter proposal that you put forward, the modernist construction of what it is to be a profession, 
I'd just like to dwell on that for a, a second because you've just talked to our executive board and they've given approval for us to go ahead and look at working towards a framework of professional standards that will give a way for countries around the world to think about teacher professionalism. Because of the way that you've constructed the background paper, you've actually positioned the idea of what it is to be a teacher very, very carefully. And you've also positioned the idea of what it is to be a teacher union and the, the role that they play in defining standards for the profession. If I can just get you to give us your thoughts on that for a minute. Look, it's not possible to develop um, professional standards other than through the uh, profession. They are something else. Even, frankly, even if the content in an abstracted theoretical sense ended up being the same, they're not professional standards. Inherent in the idea of professional standards is that they are an expression of expectations or practice by the profession. That is definitional, that is inalienable. As I say, even if you came up with the same sentences, etc., it doesn't represent, and you are not assured that those who do the work recognise the veracity of those statements unless it's the profession. And if those that do the work do not recognise the veracity of the statement, you cannot be assured that your child is getting the best teaching. Okay, and um, to go uh, to another point within the paper you've written, that there is there very clearly laid out a set of ideas about what the shape of the job of teaching is. But as you said today, the shape of the job of teaching is something that cannot be measured in a technicist way. It cannot be ticked off on a clipboard, as we heard many of the concerns from countries around the world where this is happening when it has been led by the market, when it has been constructed without teachers involved. And you've talked very clearly about the need to have a set of standards that do not follow that glass panel empiricist frame. If you can just talk to us for a minute about how you've managed that and how we can maintain standards at that level that are able for teachers to see themselves in but not be constricted by. Two quick parts to uh, my response to that, which is absolutely a crucial question. The first is, let me, I'll, I'll express as though I am a conservative, upper middle class parent. Do I want the education of my child to be reduced, to be defined and narrowed? And when I say narrowed, in limiting in, def in putting boundaries around, you are inherently arguing that there are limits to what the child might be expected to achieve. Now, I don't actually. I want expansive, critical, analytical approaches. Now, of course, I want to trust that the professional responsible for that can achieve that, therefore standards. How did we achieve that? Well, it's actually, uh, I keep boring people, we're saying it's actually a technical issue, it's a linguistic issue, it's an order of standards issue. You have to write things in a way that do not allow uh, valid assessment. I do work in student assessment, I understand psychometrics, I understand in order to have a valid measure, to be able to say this measure does indicate this reliably, 
it has to be measuring the thing that it claims to be doing. And if you express the thing that it claims to be doing in those expansive terms, they are real and concrete, but they are not easily measurable unless you are observing a professional in practice. That's a form of measure. A professional in practice exercising judgment is a, is a legitimate form of measure. So the, 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 the technical work really is in the wording of those uh, standard statements. So you allow for professional exchange between teachers and we've had a number of people who've pointed out today the importance of teachers leading their own learning, yeah. of teachers in touch with their own um, pedagogy, their own constructs and their own ideas. What you're presenting here enables that peer-to-peer -peer support. We have an example from Uganda where that peer-to-peer -peer response was critical to teachers actually moving their practice forward, that you're able to do that in more than one way, but you are not able to do it in a way which is ticked off, measured and put against some, some checklist approach. This is about professional approaches which make sure that we're aware of where that stands. Again, I'll put it through the prism of a relatively privileged, uh, empowered family. Do you want your child's uh, quality to be determined by a reductionist, simplified approach that can be gamed in the end? Uh, because anything that is uh, um, mechanistic can be gamed. Or do you want it to be determined through the mutual professional pressure of dealing with someone else who actually knows what you're doing, whatever, however you're expressing it, that actually knows the reality. And what we, what we argue, what I argue, and the way I've structured the standards is to allow for the profession to express the highest possible expectations of itself and make itself accountable to those high expectations, which in the end, uh, is what benefits both the profession and the community that it serves, which is, uh, for my money, the definition of a profession. So what are the biggest dangers with standards? What, what should we be watching out for as we advise unions around the world about how they can approach this, this question of developing and controlling and having a, a, a shape within their own standards? Well, the, the, the challenges are myriad and from multi, multiple directions, but let's just take, uh, take them, a couple of them. One is, in the process of development of, sta uh, uh, of standards that have to be, be developed in cooperation and with teachers, the, the discussion is, can be difficult and contingent on the politics and context of the location and of the time. There is no guarantee that quality standards will be developed just because they're developed by t teachers. The balance between ensuring engagement and expression of a genuine expression of teachers' views, but also assuring coherence and uh, uh, validity in application of standards is a technical issue and a difficult issue and requires attention. It requires continuous engagement or uh, periodic engagement at least to ensure that the work that's being developed is not really an expression of my current concern, of any teachers or group of teachers or even current concerns. That, that's, that's a fundamental issue um, because we need to be honest uh, about that amongst ourselves. We want, it is inalienable, the right of teachers to develop standards. It is not sufficient for quality standards. Uh, you need um, uh, expertise 
uh, and detailed work and constant testing of validity. The second is uh, that uh, standards are actually developed in a reductionist, uh, concrete fashion that don't relate to each other and actually are isolated uh, points of um, uh, verifiable um, uh, behavioralist uh, um, uh, actions. That is, that you uh, drive not from from what uh, uh, what what teachers do but what evidence of their doing it might be available. That's the wrong end of the process. If you derive from the evidence of what they're doing that is available, you will express the standards in those terms. You will say they run this test, they do that uh, bit of curriculum, they develop this process, they move from here to there. And that is reductionist and, as I said, therefore gameable. If you begin from a description of effective practice, you can then go to what evidence is there around that you're doing this and it'll naturally fit because you're actually, it is actually described to teachers' work. So the danger is that you take your starting point from a, uh, in inverted commas, accountability, uh, uh, a verifiability uh, angle rather than from uh, a holistic description of what teachers actually do. Thanks for taking us through the terrain of standards. I'm just going to finish on a football question. As given the standards that we're facing in football, who's going to get higher up the World Cup ladder, England or Australia? Oh, what a difficult question that goes to my loyalty. I have to say, I pride myself in, I'll go to the question of enlightenment modernist thinking and say, I think England will finish higher up. But if you waited for resource capacity, Australia would be well ahead. Okay, thanks very much, Tom. <laughs> Cheers, bye. To get the latest global education news and advocacy, subscribe to Ed Voices on your favorite podcast app or anytime on SoundCloud. And as always, tell a friend, spread the word, and please give us a review on iTunes. Bye for now. Bye.